Hello out there, horror fans, and welcome back to Selling the Scream. I'm Jed Donaldson, one of your hosts. Uh, with me today, as usual, is a man who I have tossed around several different kind of gags and gimmicks to kind of get this introduction a little uh, popping a little bit. Uh, but I've got something today I'm going to try out that I think may stick for a while. Um, let me know if, if it works or doesn't work. I'm probably going to keep doing it regardless because no one's listening. So uh, it's all for me and anyone who's recording with us. Anyway, so uh, as enough preamble, here's the Nature Boy, Josh Yoakum. Woo. Uh, hey, Woo. hey, how's it, exactly. how's it going? <laughs> going okay, well. That's, uh, that, go ahead. I, 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 I kind of, that was a lot of wind up, and I thought I was going to get hit with a, with a big whammy, but I actually, that was a, kind of a gentle, nice landing. I'll take Nature Boy. That's, uh, yeah, that's I don't, a... <laughs> it, don't has, it doesn't have to be negative. I just <laughs> want to do a thing, so I'm going to try to do a thing. All right. Well, it yeah. might not always be the Nature Boy. We'll see. Uh, I, I, I feel like I, I'm explaining the comedy, so <laughs> always, always positive. Yeah, it's a you, you really want to have a good frog. You take it apart and see how it works. So damn right. <laughs> All right. But it's not just the Nature Boy today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we also have a guest, a returning guest, uh, one of one of our previous champions, uh, Clint Lawwell, is back to talk about today's movie. How you doing, Clint? Not too bad. I fancy myself to be the Coco Beware of the podcast. The Birdman, uh, Clint Lawwell. Birdman, coming in. But yeah, I'm pretty excited. I, I, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to bring. Um, super Love excited it. to be back. Thanks for having me back. I think this is going to be a good one. I like the movie we're covering. This is from, obviously, our teenage years, so uh, pretty excited. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of that, today's movie is Screen from 1996, uh, a little, little film by Wes Craven. Uh, we're going to get into that, but uh, first, does anyone have any new business they want to bring up? Uh, anything you've been doing, watching, reading, thinking uh, about over the past week or so? Yeah, I just want to um, – so normally I kind of talk about what I've been doing here, like stuff I've been doing with my son, games I've been playing, stuff I've been watching. I got a, I got a little bit of a, a beef I got to air out in this in this segment. That, beef? Yeah, I'm, I've got a little bit of beef with our, our locally, local uh, grocery store chain, Safeway. They sell – Party platters of cookies, 36 of them, good-sized cookies, and they frequently have them on sale for $5. And I think this... This sounds, this sounds great. This is a... It, it sounds really good, but when you've got the self-control that I have and the body shape that I have, this we have to investigate this as, as a criminal matter. Um, this is this is somebody trying to... This is putting out a hit on my life. This is, oh, so this is personal. Yeah, and, and, and I, I felt very strongly about this before, but there was a... They actually upped the ante. They um, so I like most right-thinking people. I love peanut butter cookies, and usually that's that's the tray I get to consume by myself. But uh, sure. I, I had my son with me. He's not a big fan of the peanut butter, so I got the variety pack. And their variety pack. Oh, I'm 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 a little salty about it. They've got uh, three different kinds of chocolate chip cookies, which normally that's not that big of a deal. But you're you're selling me five different varieties, and three of them are chocolate chip. Come on, that's a little weak. But but here's where here's where the line gets crossed. One of them is oatmeal chocolate chip, and the, one of the other varieties of cookies is oatmeal raisin. And mixing together oatmeal raisin and oatmeal chocolate chip that is that is we've gone from misdemeanor to felony. So that, oh, that is what I'm using my space, my ground right here to air out. This is a soapbox. <laughs> that is kind of shitty to put them both together. Like yeah, just if it was one or the other, sure. Yeah, I'm not I'm not hating on oatmeal raisin like most do. It's it's definitely the last consumed out of the five for me, but I don't hate it. But both together, mm-hmm. no, they're playing they're playing games. <laughs> That's what that is. So uh, what have you been up to? How's how have things been for you? I you know 
things haven't changed a whole heck of a lot. This is this is probably like the you know in the middle of the pandemic is probably the worst time to try to talk about new stuff we're trying and new experiences we're having because we can't go anywhere or really do anything. So uh, I mean, unfortunately, it's it's gonna have to be the same as it was last time. You know, just helping the kids with school and playing Final Fantasy fourteen, which I am continuing to dig a great deal and nice. wondering why it took me so long to check it out. What have, what have you been up to? You? Nope. Uh, I mean, uh, pretty much as uh, kind of Jed said, it's uh, with the way the year's been, it's you know, it's not like you're going out and achieving new things. Um, you know, pretty much uh, the time I get, you know, between work and obviously with the family, it's uh, it's minimal. But uh, in the gaming front, I found myself falling a little bit back into uh, Rainbow Six Siege, a big fan of the game. Um, and then on the kind of TV front, um, a game I had touch base with jed very briefly on but uh lovecraft country on uh, hbo max um super good um big fan of it so far they're about six episodes in um almost kind of have a different theme for every episode so far um very well done show should win some awards um big fan so far highly recommended yeah i I will uh i'll piggyback on that and say that lovecraft country has been a i didn't think i was going to dislike it but i've been surprised by how much i've enjoyed it and uh and yeah it's it's worth checking out if you got a chance to do so yeah i definitely um it, hbo max isn't in my current suite of subscription services right now but uh i probably will at some point in the future maybe just do like a month or two where i i switch out one for the other or something because there's definitely a backlog of stuff i know i will like there i was looking at uh, not to like go into shill mode or anything, but I was on Amazon Prime, uh, you know, Prime Video or whatever it's called, and they have the ability to kind of tack on HBO to your thing. Yeah. Uh, and there's like a free t- or a free week trial, so that's kind of what I I signed up for that to check it out. With offer uh, code scream selling. Yeah. If you can find a spot to put that in, feel free to put that in. <laughs> okay, cool. That's uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I look forward to checking that out. I know uh, you you two aren't the only ones I've heard say very good things about it. I think the not to make this the Lovecraft Country podcast, but I think the uh, the acting and the actors in it are very very strong. Maybe more so than the actual story that they're telling. Like I, I think it's it's missing some connective tissue to to tie the episodes together a little more tightly um but what they've got there is pretty enjoyable stuff so I've, i'm giving a pass on on that a little bit um, yeah I, I season goes i'm horrible with names i'm not uh, sure the lead actor's name but he's already booked the uh main villain in the next ant-man movie oh okay oh nice All right. it, uh that's gonna be kang the conqueror right yep yep sweet uh, i he's he's very strong in this show so deserved spot if that's true but enough about all that other garbage. Yeah. That's not what we're here to do. This is Selling the Scream. We talk about horror movies, specifically stuff that Josh has picked in his role as a self-proclaimed horror expert to attempt and lure me over to the side of being a horror fan, me having not watched very many or or enjoyed very many horror movies growing up and kind of coming late to the genre. Um, like I said, today we're going to talk about the movie Scream from 1996, Wes Craven directed. Uh, it was a Big movie back in the day, and one that, uh, for a change, I've actually already seen. Yeah, I think, uh, like you mentioned uh, before, I forget it was on that last episode or just in private conversation, that we, uh, you you think that we saw it in the theater together. And I, I think I saw this in the theater at least two or three times, so um, that would not surprise me. I mean, back, back then, that was kind of what we did. 
Yeah, yeah. Almost, I mean, weekly, if not more than once a week, we went to the movie theater and saw something. So I don't think it's unfair to say that uh, we've seen a lot of stuff in the movie theater that maybe maybe we shouldn't have seen in the movie theater. Not, not <laughs> <laughs> I am strictly speaking of the quality of movie. Like we just went to go see him because that's what we did. Not <laughs> those were movies that deserve kind of movies you guys seen. <laughs> maybe uh, that was the best way to phrase it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is uh we're, we're, we're doing scream. We're doing a uh, West Craven's scream. Um, so like, like you mentioned, this did come out in 1996 and, that was kind of uh, not a great time for mainstream. Like, uh, there's definitely, you know, stuff being made. There's always, like, indie horror out there being made and kind of things on the fringes. But as far as, like, your big, like, tentpole series, like, Friday the 13th was over. Nightmare on Elm Street was over. They, they weren't really making any child's plays or anything else anymore. So, like, all that stuff was kind of done. And there wasn't, like, very much of these, like, franchise horror flicks out there. So, uh this was a screenplay by a, a young writer named uh, Kevin Williamson who put out a couple things. He didn't fancy himself a horror person, but had seen a few horror things. And uh, Jed, you you actually have some experience with uh, with Kevin Williamson because I remember you were a you were a big fan of The Creek. You were a big fan of uh, Dawson's Creek, the show that he came out with right after the, the, the success. Who told you that? <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember being on the phone with you and being like, "Oh, I have to get off Dawson's Creek's on." And... <laughs> What what fairy tale are you living in? No, I, I can back you up on that. I, I just <laughs> All right, I get it's canon. I'm gonna go with it. Yes, and. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was a you know young young writer who put out this screenplay. He'd written like one kind of thriller before that there wasn't a ton of interest in, and this is the the second big one he worked on. And this one kind of sparked off a little bit of a bidding war, and that was won by um, by Miramax. So. Uh, we get that fun Miramax logo at the beginning just to remind us, like, oh, yeah, Harvey Weinstein. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a person we have to think about. didn't know back then. <laughs> um, but they, the, it was novel enough that Wes Craven had been kind of trying to get away from horror um, for a little while, try to branch out into other things. Not that he disliked horror, but he kind of hated being pigeonholed as only a horror guy. Yeah, that makes um, sense. I kind of I remember this... You know, like you were saying, it, there wasn't a lot going on in the horror genre. I kind of remember this being a really big deal back then. Yes. Kind of uh, sparked a kind of a little revival. Yeah, and it was a uh, it was released uh, at Christmas time, and it was uh, as kind of counter programming to family movies. It actually did really poorly the first week. I mean, it did okay. It made like I think like four or five million dollars, but um, it it snowballed and it kind of stayed in the theater for a really long time. There was a lot of lot of good word of mouth on it. Um, yeah, very, very successful. Um, Wes Craven kind of got, he made the, the, the sequels that have come out afterwards. He did get a chance to kind of make some, uh, non horror movies a little bit later on. He got to make a thriller, uh, red eye, and he got to make music of the heart, which, uh, Meryl Streep got nominated for an Oscar for, you know, some, some moderate success outside of the genres as well. Um, but he, he actually got his start. Um, he was a professor for a couple of years. He was, he got a PhD in English and humanities. He taught both at two different colleges. Um, he was like raised as a real, in a really strict religious household. Um, and kind of was started to rebel against that upbringing a little bit, even though he kind of had worked for some, some fairly conservative schools. Um, and kind of started to drift a little bit away from academia, got his toes wet in films. He made an exploitation movie. Um, also 
very widely believed to have made several porno movies. <laughs> um, under, Does that have any traction to it? <laughs> uh, well, there's For one purely that, research purposes. Well, he's spoken about his experience making, um, but he, he has not said what role he played in that. Um, okay. And then it did come out, like there's some research was done that he, he made a um, movie in 1975 called The Fireworks Woman, which is... Uh, um, which is a porno, and it's actually kind of, you know, Wes Craven's always been ahead of his time, so it was an incest porn. <laughs> so, uh, the man's a prophet. Yeah, he, he knew what Pornhub would be all about in the day. Um, you know, it's infor- unfortunate that I know that. <laughs> it's unfortunate that all of us know that. <laughs> um, Pornhub, but, um, what exactly is that? <laughs> this, this Pornhub you speak of. <laughs> Uh, I think that from context, you'd be able to pick some of it. <laughs> but the the exploitation movie he made was uh, was oh, did OK, but it was kind of more known for the ads that ran for it and kind of the marketing material for it, which was uh, Last House on the Left. Um, probably most famously, the the catchphrase of to avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a movie. It's only a movie. It's only a movie. Right. <laughs> um, that, that's a. At the very least, a title I'm familiar with. <laughs> yeah, and surprise, it's surprise. it is definitely a, an exploitation movie. There's a lot of um, kind of pretty dirty, slimy '70s elements to it, but it being written by a English professor, um, it's based on an Ingmar Bergman movie, The Virgin Spring. So he, you know, he, he classed up his sleaze a little bit. <laughs> oh sure, yeah. <laughs> And it actually got made with um, the the guy who did uh, the first Friday the Thirteenth, Sean Cunningham, produced it. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, his his filmography, I think, is pretty hit or miss. Like I, I think he always takes big swings. But for every People Under the Stairs or Nightmare on Elm Street, he makes he also makes like a a Shocker or a, or a Deadly Friend, which are um, yeah they they are movies that were made. <laughs> yes, they exist. Um, he also has The Hills Have Eyes, which is like another like pretty pretty big hit for him and um one that's kind of relevant to scream and um is he made the the west craven's new nightmares to kind of be like the capstone after they already killed freddy krueger off and freddy's dead he got a chance right. to come back and he made this very meta movie it's basically a, a nightmare on elm street movie about the nightmare on elm street movies it's kind of about how freddy got turned into a pop culture icon and kind of took over the lives of the people who helped make it and what happens when they're not making those movies. Right. Uh, so he kind of had this, the, the meta setup for screen. He'd already had a little bit of experience doing I, it. I think I'm a little surprised that he'd kind of done so, so much. Cause I think I primarily had thought of him as the nightmare in Elm Street. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think for most people, that's, that's his most enduring creation, especially, especially as if you're like a kid of the eighties, um, Freddy Krueger was everywhere. I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit in our Nightmare on Elm Street 3 episode, but like there were like phone lines where you could call in and talk to her and like right. kids toys marketed to Freddy Kr- about Freddy Krueger. Oh. Right. Uh, it's, just, it's just the the glove is so kind of iconic. I mean, the, yeah. the whole look is pretty iconic if you're into horror, but the glove itself just kind of stands above and above the rest. Yeah. Um, and and kind of like I, you know, I think I've mentioned to you guys before, this is actually one that uh i'm coming back to after not seeing for a while. i think the other movies we've done so far like i'd kind of seen them within the past i don't know five or six years i think it's been over probably about 15 years or so since i've seen this one so it's a little a little sour on the sequels um right but um coming back to it is a little i know you said you've seen it before clint you've seen it before 
How did you feel coming back to this movie from 1996, 24 years later? So, I mean, like, back in the day, I, I, I was a fan of it, despite not being, as I've said in the past, kind of a huge horror, you know, horror um, nerd to it. I enjoyed it. Um, coming back to it, it still felt like, you know, during my lifetime, like I, I remembered it. So it didn't feel old, like, you know, from the episode I was on with From Beyond, where that did feel like a timepiece. Like, oh, I wasn't around for that. Um, this this felt like in my life. Um, you know, but, you know, did giggle at some of the parts of like the use of like the, the rotary phones and the, the, you know, the cell phone that's the size of a brick and, you know, all that fun stuff. Um, or just somebody having a cell phone being a, a clue. Yeah. <laughs> Where, where's this coming from? What are you doing with this? Right. Um, for, for me, this was, I mean, it's already, we've already said that I've seen this before. I, I really back back in the day i couldn't avoid it like this was like i said i remember this being a real big deal it was kind of everywhere and it was just kind of like i said we, we went to go see movies this is one that we went and gone went and saw and i remember I remember thinking it was okay um yeah. I, when i was going back to to look for where to find it and watch it this time which i don't think that i've seen that i had seen this since then like maybe i watched it once or twice um you know, like after it came out on video or whatever, but like since then, so it's, it's probably been two decades for me at, at least. Um, yeah. I, I was surprised to see that there was, uh, like an MTV show that was made of it that I apparently just completely whiffed on and not that I follow MTV religiously or anything like that, but, uh, do you have anything on that, Josh? Any, any sort of I, I, input? I, I don't, I know that the, cause I haven't watched it, but the, the general consensus is that the television show is bad. Okay. I've I've seen I've seen Scream two and three, which I actually rewatched. I kind of just did the whole trilogy because they were all up on on Tubi, um, and I liked two and three a little bit more than I initially had. Part of why I hadn't revisited this is that I thought two and three were really awful the first time I saw both of those. Sure. Um, my my opinion of them has gone up slightly, more so two than three, but um. I still haven't seen four and five is getting made. I, I, that was kind of another thing I thought was kind of neat is that um, they're this is in pre-production. So it's sort of topical. I mean, they're the, yeah. the, the, the folks are coming back for it. I, I want to say that I I also have seen, if not two and three, at the very least, the at, at the very least, I've seen two, uh, which is surprising. But like I said, these were kind of a big deal. Yeah, they were, they were kind of kind of unavoidable, and they they you know they I think at one point they were I don't know if they still are, but they the first one at least was in like top ten grocers for for horror films, so it yeah. was just you know it's a big deal. That doesn't surprise me. I, I will say this is kind of my my hot take on it, and I, I still feel this way even though I've got a little bit more fondness for these movies now, and I realize that for some people they are like a, a bigger deal than they are for me. But like Scream is a little bit like Pearl Jam for me, where I love Pearl Jam. I think like Pearl Jam I've seen live a couple times. Some I count them. I used to see a lot of concerts. I count them. Both the concerts I saw them at as two of the top ten best concerts I've ever been. To. Um. However, every band that came after and tried to sound like Eddie Vedder and tried to sound like Pearl Jam fucking blows. <laughs> like, <laughs> they are they are awful. And Scream set off a wave of imitators that said, like, just, I know what you did last summer and um, the ha- Halloween H2O and um, Urban Legend, Valentine, those those movies. Um, and I think all of those are just, again, I, there are people out there who defend them and we might get to them at some point on this show. And maybe I'll try to look at them with a new eye. But sure. I think they're not great. They're not my they're not my favorite. <laughs> I I 
I haven't seen most of them. Okay. I don't have like a strong opinion about most of them other than to say that, you know, having worked in a video store for a long time, I, I saw an awful lot of them walk out the door. They, they did not, they weren't hurting for popularity. <laughs> um, yeah, that's kind of like my, my big picture take on it. Are you guys, you guys ready to just kind of dive right in talk about what, yeah. what happens in this here movie? <laughs> let's talk about this movie. Yeah, All right. And, and, and we start strong. Cause it's, this is, I think I'm going to talk about maybe some of the things that hit me a little bit different as an adult, but I still think, this opening scene is is running on all cylinders. That is just it's it's a tight, effective, awesome piece of horror filming. Um, the 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 misdirect here with with Drew Barrymore, who in all the ad material she was like front and center. She was yes. positioned like you were supposed to think that she was the star of Scream. And here we're introduced to Casey Becker. Um, right right after we get the the Scream title drop, which I I think I also forget that they like use the same font for Scream that they use for those commercials. We always used to be on DVDs like the, you wouldn't steal a car, would you? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but uh, yeah, before we kind of get like beat by bit beat, did, did, did this stuff work? Did this opening scene work for you guys? I, I think it's iconic. I think this is like a top 10 horse. The opening scene of this movie is probably the strongest thing in this movie. Um, and I had forgotten. I, kind of forgotten that drew barrymore was in it until i saw her pop up on the screen and as soon as she does like oh shit i forgot how big of a deal it was that she's in this movie and only in this movie for like the first 10 minutes of it like i forgot that like there was you know magazines and and, like tv spots talking about how big of a a shock this was that such a big star would sign on only to get iced in the first the first scene basically yeah (laughs) um but yeah this this scene is this scene is great um, I, I really think it's effective at, at, at ratcheting up the tension to, so so much to the point that you really believe that she is terrified every time that phone rings. Like it kind of sets you up for the whole rest of the movie thinking anytime the phone rings, something bad's going to happen. Yeah. And, and I, I think there's just there's a lot working really well here. Like there's the um, all the all the tracking shots, which, you know, I, I think there's I, like I, I think some of the geography in this movie isn't as great like i i sydney's house is like a ski resort and i don't under kind of understand how sydney's house works but um good good thing we don't spend very much time there (laughs) but um but casey's place like how they how they lay out everything as she's making the popcorn and she's talking on the phone to the killer um so she you know she gets called by you know someone at first who's saying it's a wrong number and then calls back and kind of starts flirting with her and she kind of goes along with it. And they start talking about scary movies um, and asking like, what's, what's your favorite scary movie? And she talks about Halloween and they get a little, a little dig in at the, the nightmare on Elm street sequels too. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of really kind of a uh, kind of iconic stuff in this first scene. Like the, do you like scary movies? That's, I mean that yeah. those sort of things have been played in pop culture for a long time after this. Yeah. Um, and it, one thing I didn't mention was the initial title for this movie was Scary Movie. So the 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 parodies that came on along afterwards are, <laughs> you know, to be honest, I think that would have been a perfectly fine title. for this. I mean, the the name is kind of I don't want to say tainted because I'm sh- I'm sure there are fans of those movies out there. Um, and I, I'm not going to not going to be too proud to admit that I watched at least the first three of them laughed at some stuff as bad as that genre kind of got after a while and you know it started off okay yeah i i don't think they're great but i think um oh what's what's uh because i wasn't planning on talking about these i forget what's the actress's name the from from the first scary movie first couple 
Oh, Anna Ferris. Anna Ferris. Yes, yeah. she is. She Thank is. You. She is above the material. I think she is. She elevates everything around. So yeah. I, I think those are very enjoyable to watch. To watch I, her. I, yeah, I'm not going to try to argue that they're not stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but there are. There's. There's fun to be had in. Yeah. And I think this movie, being what it is, being called something so generic as scary movie, really does kind of work because they just kind of. They kind of do all the tropes. I mean, it's a movie about scary movies. Yeah, it's they kind of hit all the kind of tropes of scary movies in this thing. So, um, but I, but I think this first part is is exceptionally well done, both from a meta and kind of you know there's there's decent jokes and stuff in it, but it's 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 very tense and it, it establishes the geography as she's talking on the phone to him. Like you've got the the popcorn popping that kind of serves as a timer and like a uh, when it catches on fire it. it elevates the scene and elevates the situation even more mm-hmm. um but like you come to find out that uh she starts getting threatened you know she asks she gets asked you know she's what's your name because i i, I want to know who i'm looking at um threatening back saying that her boyfriend's gonna be there any second he's a he's a big football player um yeah. and he's gonna kick, <laughs> and he's kick, gonna your, kick ass. your ass <laughs> <laughs> again i, I don't want to keep sidebarring but I have to ask because it's just recently come out. Have either of you seen Drew Barrymore's talk show? I didn't know she had a talk show. Yeah, oh, same here. Oh Lord, oh Lord. Um, do yourself a favor and just there's like there's compilation clips out there because it is like very cringeworthy. Um, I, I like Drew Barrymore. I think she's a very charming actress. Uh, I I only wish the best for her. But watching her talk show is is it's a car crash. It is. It is. You can't look away, and it's oh, oh my lord! You know what's going to happen, and it's going to be bad. And there's, you just you're telling them to stop, and they're not stopping. Um, I but like I forgot how brutal this movie is. Like watching it is like oh, this is more like especially the boyfriend gets killed like pretty yeah. quickly after they have that they start playing their little game, and like the the scene where they just kind of show the aftermath of him just with his guts completely hanging out is whole torso has been opened i was yeah. like i don't remember that being that gruesome <laughs> and that's that's actually like a real big deal that that they kind of got away with that because part of why horror movies weren't doing as well is that there was way more of a clamp down from the mpaa around gore at the time um it was very hard to kind of get away with as much as some of the early slasher movies had gotten away with um but yeah this this opening scene both his death hers is just as bad they just don't dwell on it it's a it's a real rapid zoom in but like if you right. see a freeze frame of it, it it's kind of the same thing yeah um she's like kinda, she's hung and gutted yeah you kind of get the 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 kids kind of talk about the the aftermath a little bit which i don't like i guess rumors got around or whatever because yeah. there's no reason why she would the kids would know what happened there but yeah she's she's hung from the the front tree there's a swing and she's covered with blood it's just real quick but it, it does yeah. not look good i i thought this was great too with her fleeing the house from the killer and only to get stopped like on the side of the porch with her parents just having pulled up to the the house and she can't make enough noise to get their attention because he stabbed her yeah and he was like strangling her and like stabbed her like i'm, I'm guessing like in the lungs like, yeah she, she just can't, can't she can't get the wind out to, to form the words and they're just casually unlocking the door and going inside while she's getting pulled down and eviscerated and then they get to hear her on they try to call the police but she's still got the phone with her so they get to hear her being like killed on the other line but they don't know where she is like Um, i said pretty brutal yeah and it's 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 done very well and it's um i i do 
think it's maybe only slightly undercut by by the actors they got to play mom and dad, especially I think mom. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> a little little amateur hour, a little. Oh my god. <laughs> you know, I want to say as as good as this be, I, I want to call out two things. Uh, one, uh, going back to a trend that's been throughout pretty much every movie we've watched, we get defenestration pretty early <laughs> on. Um. I mean, I guess they do it to themselves. They throw a chair through, and then he jumps through the window. Yeah. So does that count? I, I'm going to count it. It counts. He's been counting it's, self-tration. This stuff is just, it's its in every horror movie. It's its, yeah. one, it's one, silly how much of a trope it is. One thing that I think is, is, is different about the Scream movies, and this is a pretty consistent thing that I, I do appreciate throughout all of them, is that, like, most of these killers are, like, you know, machines, and they're very effective, and, like, there's no wasted You're, motion or movement. Okay. You're, you're creeping up on the second point I wanted to make is that <laughs> it's like as as great as the tension building has been, it is almost completely uh, lessened by the fact that the killer in this movie is if you've seen scary movie going back to that, the re- <laughs> the representation of the killer, you know, they're trying to parody this movie with that movie. That killer as goofy and clown shoes as he is in scary movie is not far off from what he actually is in this movie. The The killer is like a bumbling idiot for most of this thing. He, he, if it wasn't for the fact that he was murdering, so much. he just complete clown shoot. He gets Con- beaten up by everybody. <laughs> there's, I think there's a great compilation clip on, on, on YouTube of just all the screen movies, just all the different ghost face, like, eating shit, like, every every scene of them. Just like, right, it's like... Slip it's like in, every person that dons the mask has a difficult time even walking. <laughs> but Instead still... of a mask, they should have a helmet. <laughs> um, I don't want to dwell, keep keep on this scene too much because uh, we we do got more ground to cover. But uh, the the performance Wes Craven was a- able to get it by um, as she was talking on the phone, as Drew Barrymore was talking on the phone, he kept like he knew that she was an animal lover, and he kept like telling her like different true stories of animal cruelty to like keep her on edge and like, get this performance out of her. Um, that's, uh, that's Kubrickian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I guess, I, I guess it, it worked and they were still on good terms. So um, not, not quite yeah, Shelly Duvall. Yeah. I mean, if she, if she signed on for it, I guess that's okay. It's <laughs> that seems and, harsh. And the, uh, the, the, the iconic voice of ghost that, that stays the same throughout the, the scream series. Uh, that was somebody hired on to be like a placeholder. Just gonna, they were going to fill in another voice later, but they just really liked his voice and it works really well. It's uh, so they, that's, that's surprised. They didn't have the actual, like one of the actors actually make the, the voice through the distortion or whatever. I mean, that, that's one thing about like movies that I think as you learn more and more about how they're made, there's a lot of stuff that maybe seems unintuitive that um, kind of makes sense once you know kind of how, how the sausage is made, where yeah. um, like insert shots and um, just ADR dialogue, like a lot of that stuff is just kind of planned to be done at a, at a different or later date. Like um, like if you see a movie and somebody like opens up a newspaper and then there's like a shot of like the newspaper opening with their hands, but there's no face. That's probably not the same act. That's probably like that was no, filmed I mean, I, like across I, town. I like, get that. That 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 sort of stuff is not terribly surprising. It just it seems to me that they have. I don't know. This doesn't seem like someone you would need to hire someone additional in to do the voice for. They've already yeah, got the, the distortion on the 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 box. Yeah, but I, I think I that's know. not. Um, I mean, you, you kind of even hear it a little bit later once once the killers are revealed 
and they're using the box themselves, yes. they don't sound exactly the same as the, the killer on the phone because that technology where you sign exactly like somebody just, I think, still doesn't exist. Yeah, so, um, fair point. Yeah, it's 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 a different thing. I think they were planning on maybe doing that later, and they just really liked how that original one. Um, yeah, we get we get this opening kind of psycho misdirect where. Um, the, the the star that you came in to see is is gutted, and then we cut to our our, our real heroine of the story. We cut to good old party of five herself, Nev Nev Campbell. <laughs> um, yeah, go. she's looking looking nineties as hell. <laughs> yeah, she looks like every uh, you know leading actress in any of these. um which and then we get like a little bit of a self throwback where uh her boyfriend comes into her bedroom at her house and is uh that that's basically the johnny depp from nightmare on elm street coming into nancy's room through the through the window as well he does the same thing and skeet ulrich is basically hired to be johnny depp part two (laughs) in this movie (laughs) great value johnny depp (laughs) I think he does okay, but he's definitely he's fine. He's depping as hard as he can. Yeah. Um. You know, this is before Johnny Depp had turned into just a a sentient pile of hats and scarves. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if you can't get the real thing, the 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 knockoff is fine. It works just as good as the name brand. <laughs> um. But uh, I I do love here too, like that he breaks in and he's kind of trying to just pressure her to like have sex immediately. It's just like, hey, I snuck into your bedroom and uh. I'm going to talk in in movie terms and I'm going to try to get you to fuck me. And he doesn't read the real obvious sign that she's a girl in the nineties who has an indigo post girls poster on her wall. (laughs) (laughs) This is, this is the sort of stuff that, you know, back then seemed perfectly okay. (laughs) Now it seems a little little skeezy now. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like it is perfectly okay for a, 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 a straight girl in 1996 to have an indigo per, go indigo girls poster on her wall, but that there's a message being sent with that in 1996 that maybe isn't the same message that would be sent today. And that's sure. like, I, I raise wolfhounds. I drive a Subaru. <laughs> like, um, but uh, yeah, we get a, we get a little scene where he's, he's kind of referencing all the different scary movies and trying to get, make out with her. And we get the establishing that, um, well, she, she owns a computer and she's on the internet. Uh, that's the thing that gets set up for later. <laughs> I, I do like though, that he makes a point of once he gets in there, like, Hey, I'm fine with waiting. I'm not pressuring you. Despite that the dude's like hops in and just like immediately is like full game on. Let's do this. <laughs> he, he hops in and starts like, Oh, I'm okay. with just kind of making out a little bit, maybe a little over the underwear stuff and immediately tries to go under the underwear. It immediately tries to, it immediately tries to give her the party of five. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then we get the, the, the setup for another scare later on where we, we learn that her closet door and her door to her bedroom, uh, they, if, if the closet door is open, then the, you can't open the outside door. See, and you were saying that the geography of her house doesn't make any sense. I think her bedroom is fine. I just, I, I'm more referring to, I, I don't want to dwell on this scene because it's a very, it's a nothing scene later on. Right. But there's a scene later on where she's like on the phone with Tatum and she's like going into her house and she's on her patio and there's like four full patio sets. And like yes, her, her house is very extra. And like I said, we don't spend like this scene in the the next scene that we see there is are the only time we spend in this house at all. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's not super important that we understand a lot of what's on here. 
<laughs> and there's a little bit of a there's some references to other horror movies too that um her boyfriend is billy loomis and and loomis is the the doctor from halloween that's uh, donald pleasance's character okay yeah um but then we cut to the to the the school the next the next day after everybody's learned that a, a brutal double murder has occurred. Um, and I love the the reporter that's reporting on kids doing drugs in the classroom and being involved in the occult or, or <laughs> occult. <laughs> the occult. <laughs> that's not from this movie, but perceptive <laughs> listeners will recognize the callback. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we get the. Um, I, I I don't love to. Did you did you remember that Henry Winkler was in this movie that we get the, the Fonz no. himself? No, pr- <laughs> Principal Fonzie. No, I I had no idea. It was unexpected. See, you guys say Fonzie, I immediately think about him playing the lawyer and very less of the... <laughs> It's it's also a fine reference. Um, but we we were also introduced to Tatum, played by Rose McGowan, um, which uh. Man, Probably the, that, the sub. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> All right, old Ben. <laughs> um, she basically, I think some bad stuff happened to her, maybe if I'm not mistaken, but she kind of dropped out off the face of the earth after a little while. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's involved in other stuff and she's an activist now and she does like a lot of, yeah. a lot of cool things, but she's, she's not really doing a ton of acting anymore. She was on Charmed for, right. Um, and she, um, but she was uh, got caught up in, in speaking of Harvey Weinstein, she got she got caught up with him, not on right. this movie, but um, she made Phantoms with Ben Affleck. And yeah. there there was some 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 skeeviness on, on the set of Phantoms. That uh, might be what I'm thinking. Yes, that is. That's kind of why you might have seen her name in the news recently is because she's been very outspoken about that stuff. Uh, Justifiably so. Yes. No, that's it's good. Good for her getting it out there. Um <laughs> But we got, yeah, the Fonz, you never see him outside of his office. And he is very touchy. He's also like a... <laughs> he says at one point that he loves his students. <laughs> Over the loudspeaker, I believe. <laughs> I do love, again, we're going to get to it later on, because they, they briefly set him up as a red herring. Because this is a whodunit story. They're trying to figure out who the killers are. Yeah, um, we can talk about that later, but they go they go a long way to point <laughs> at a lot of different people. <laughs> But the yeah the scene the scene with him and his scissors is so so over the top it yes destroys me um so we we then meet Sydney and and her friend Sydney's been called in and and talked to about this killing because they're talking to all the kids everybody who might have known Casey and Steve her boyfriend um so we get to kind of meet the rest of our principal cast we get you're, you're Tatum. gonna pass over Courtney Cox outside doing a report oh yeah oh, oh sorry I, I i actually had her down in my notes a little bit later on that she's uh that we get introduced to miss dancing in the dark herself um <laughs> but she's kind of playing against against type in this she's she's uh you know was on friends and a huge deal on friends with um that was starting off and this is her anti-monica <laughs> Um, uh, one thing that I, I think that a vibe that gets laid down in this movie and, and really gets picked up on in the later two is that I'd kind of forgotten just how soapy this movie is where, you know, there's the, the, the whole background with Sid's mom and the falsely accused killer. And, um, yes, right. I, oh, that, oh. None of that stuff was, I don't remember any of it from, you know, 20 years. <laughs> I remembered it, but it was just it's it's one of those things where like it only happens in movies and TV shows where like everybody in town knows like this one person's business and like they, they right. all kind of seem to live their lives around like 
this murder. <laughs> right. <laughs> up until up until this weekend, that was that was the worst thing that ever happened here. <laughs> um. But yeah, that's it. it, it because the, the later movies really lean into that. Like, um, again, I haven't seen four, but two and three are like, they all have to do with Sydney's mom. Like, all the killers in those have to do with this initial killing. And it's all like layers upon layers of like, oh, you thought you dealt with the the real killer, but I was the hand behind the throne. Oh, you thought you dealt like, with the hand behind the throne. <laughs> I feel like there's not any water left in that well after this movie. <laughs> like maybe you can get one more out of it, but really? <laughs> How important could her mom possibly have been to warrant that level of attention? <laughs> Just the, uh, a, a regular skank, a, a tramp, a sluts. Exactly. Every, every character in this movie likes to refer to her as. Um, but yeah, we get, we get, uh, Gail Weathers, she gets to she gets to eat shit Great from <laughs> she gets to eat shit from from Sid here as uh, Nev Campbell gives her a, a sock in the jaw about what? that wasn't here. That's oh no, that's, that's a little bit later on, isn't it? The uh, at the at the police station with the book. But they kind of established that there's uh, there's not a lot of love lost between these two characters. Yeah, because she is uh, trying to prove that the person that Sydney thought had killed her mother and, and sent to jail and was going to be executed. Um, was innocent and in that uh, he was drunk that night and somebody framed him. Right. Uh, Which sounds totally plausible. I mean, it sounds like <laughs> ridiculous, but whatever. Apparently it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, getting back to like the introduction, we meet a couple more characters here. We meet, we meet Stu and we meet Randy. Um, our, our, our probably most nineties characters here, um, especially, especially Stu. I, 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 yeah, I really, I really love him in this. I love Matthew Lillard in this movie. Um, <laughs> but it's a very, uh, you know, he would later go on to do like hackers, and this is kind of this this is kind of like a test run for his hackers character. <laughs> There's definitely some some stuff, uh, some little touches to his performance that I enjoy quite a bit. Uh, but. <laughs> There's a lot to his performance. Like, I'm not saying like it's deep or anything, but there's he does yeah. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get, you know, I think the only character or only performance I've liked ever out of Jamie Kennedy. We get. Uh, I was gonna say Jamie Kennedy. Kennedy, not not normally a likable character. <laughs> anything. <laughs> but here he's basically playing me in high school. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean you know, maybe a more obnoxious and shitty version of me. No, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> wait huh oh, wait yeah. no no just keep going pretend it didn't happen our, our our resident movie expert and like video store employee um the 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 one person in this group that you're just like you look at the rest of the people in the group and you're like why the fuck are they hanging out with him <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i i i kind of love this character um if only because it is so like this movie plays with so many tropes, but this guy is all of them. Like he, he constantly talks about all of them all the time. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that he basically tells you exactly what happens in this movie immediately. Oh yeah. He calls his shots. He, he, he accuses the, the, the two people he accuses are the killers. <laughs> yeah. He's not wrong at any point in time. <laughs> um, but yeah, is any of this like high school stuff work for you too, Glenn? Or are you, was this bringing up memories? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I'm, I was a big fan of Matthew Lillard's uh, performance in this as well. Um, obviously, this was the seed that uh, was planted to uh, 
eventually lead to his uh, starring role as Shaggy in the Scooby Doo live action movies. <laughs> yeah, you um, can see the roots. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's almost like a uh, spiritual uh, sequel to this movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but old, old Matthew Willard got done dirty on those Scooby Doo movies. He got because uh, he became the voice of the cartoon Shaggy after that too, and they just kind of they did a. Um, a reboot movie and they hired somebody else to play Shaggy without telling him. And he'd been playing Shaggy for like, I think over a decade, <laughs> which is crazy. Cause that to me, he is basically perfect in that. Role. Yeah. Yeah. He's it, <laughs> why, why would you, especially if it's an animated movie, why would you replace him? <laughs> yeah. Well, what was he asking for too much money? I mean, I guess it's possible. <laughs> I, I, I do love that. There's, you know, there's a lot of callbacks in this movie, but I think the one that's real subtle, unless you're a big horror fan is that in a lot of the Friday, the 13th movies, uh, a lot of the kids do like, uh, era inappropriate impressions or sing like songs from like the thirties. And we get Randy busting out a, a, a Jerry Lewis impression, like in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that aside, this, all the teenage stuff, is 90s as fuck. Oh yeah, they're like they're sitting outside on the friends fountain. Like any anything that has the the teens, which is a lot of this movie, is it, it could have been any movie from the 90s, right? Like right down to the music that that backs most of the scenes that they're in. Yeah, but like yeah, this, this this scene basically all we're doing here is setting up like the the whodunit aspects of this story, and we're right. um, we're getting reasons why people might be the killer, or they or the police suspect that it, it has to be. You know, somebody who's because they were gutted, like they were asking people if if they hunted and um, they're kind of starting to already shoot their theories of of who it might be. Right. And you have you have uh, Stu explaining how, you know, they ask, how would you gut someone? And he matter of factly just tells them how you would do it. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah, how would he know? Hmm, (laughs) Um, But this this scene with the with, you know, the school being kind of put on alert and kind of the uh, the community being you know, told to go straight home and everything. This may be my video game nerd showing, but it kind of reminded me a lot of Persona 4, like just the, the okay. premise for that game and, and the the stuff that happens around that because the series of murders are happening and the high yeah. school is... I didn't yeah. get too far in it, but I, I, I know the setup. So yeah, I, there's definitely some mirrors, some mirroring there. Um, I yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any real connection other than the, than the, uh, the kind of the plot is similar. Yeah. Uh, but I just watching it that popped in my head like oh these okay this is very similar to the way they handled it <laughs> but we we get our, our uh where the killer gets in, engaged with uh with with sydney here pretty quickly sydney goes home is waiting for uh for tatum to pick her up and i do love that she's got this like palatial estate and she goes down and watches like on the like a like a 22 inch tv sitting on like a love seat like in a nook right that that old <laughs> television <laughs> and like she's only every channel she's flipping to is is just news about this murder that took place in her town like, like b- bitch don't you have cable like i'm sure on mtv <laughs> they're not fucking talking about that like, <laughs> I, I i think we did miss a little bit here with uh the fact that she's alone and her friend is coming to to get her so she can yeah. stay because it's the anniversary of her mother's death and her dad's out of town which Kind of a shitty time for dad to go out of town, honestly. <laughs> well, he leaves, uh, I think he leaves the night of the murder, so he doesn't really know. No, but I'm, I mean, still the anniversary. anniversary of mother's death coming up and you're like, oh, you'll be fine. Well, I mean, Especially since only the first anniversary. Yeah, like whatever, whatever dad does that, like they can afford this like fucking palace you can get lost in. Like, I don't, 
<laughs> I guess you can't really take off time from that job. So. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense as the movie goes along. You know, they, they do kind of heavily imply that uh, he's involved with the murder at some point. Yeah. Um, to the point that he even kind of figures into the end of the movie, so. But, uh, yeah, we get the, uh, the, the setup here where she gets called, and she kind of, we start going through some of the same stuff that happened with Casey, where she's on the phone with the killer and thinks that the, the killer's Randy, and start they start talking about scary movies, and, again, lays out the cliches, the... I don't think like I don't I don't hate scary movies, but it's just big breasted girls who can't act and they are running upstairs and they should be going out the front door. Yeah, she she's basically poking holes in all the the silliness that happens. Yeah. And then also but also laying out exactly what she's going to do. A couple of minutes. There's a there's a lot of that. Yeah. A lot of a lot of foreshadowing. An awful lot of it. Um, (laughs) Talking about other movies and, and what happens in horror movies. This this specifically is. This is this is real life. This isn't a movie that gets said more than once. <laughs> yeah, which, again, I, I love that that because I think that's the mind frame I had as a teenager where I was sort of like, oh, screams like if a horror movie happened in real life. And I think as an adult going back to it, I'm like, no, screams like what would happen if like a horror movie happened in Riverdale, like, yeah, or, <laughs> you know, on whatever Cedar or in Dawson's Creek that he would go go on to do. Um, Don't you badmouth the creek. <laughs> Now, you leave Pacey out of this. <laughs> um, but we get another setup for an attack where she's told that the killer tells her that he's outside. She goes outside and is like pretending to pick her nose and saying like, oh, what am I doing right now? And uh, he's, you know, already said that he's there. And she goes in and locks the door. And at some point, the killer got inside and is in the closet and attacks her, um, which we get we get a, a little, little bit of a scuffle here, which uh, some some more uh, more clown shoes killer. <laughs> Keystone cops of serial murderers. I I love that her her comeback to being attacked and nearly killed is fuck you, Cretan. (laughs) And then she sweeps the leg. (laughs) It's a solid strategy. I mean, if it works. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and she's she's chased in her house. She we use she uses the same door trick to like keep the killer out. She's able to use her direct line on her computer to punch in nine one one and and call the police. Mm-hmm. Um, and her, her boyfriend, Billy comes in the window and she, you think everything's good and he's, he's come in to protect her and save her, but uh Oh, he owns a cell phone. Holy it shit. Just... A cell phone. <laughs> so she goes running out the door and we, we didn't, there's another iconic performance in this and a performer that we haven't really talked about yet, but we get a, a, a second introduction here yeah. to, uh, to David Arquette as Dewey, just with the jump scare <laughs> of holding the mask up and his gun out. <laughs> I, this character I don't know why he's in this role. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why David Arquette was a thing. Because I think there's something I think there's something charming and lovable about the character as it's written, and I don't get any of that from him. You say that, but I I, I kind of think this isn't like a big stretch outside of who David Arquette is <laughs> from what I've seen him interview and stuff. Like, yeah, it's this is kind of this is kind of him, man. <laughs> um he's a he actually you know former wcw champion um put some respect on it yeah and he uh he was tired of being made fun of for how dumb that was so he actually like in his mid-40s got in like ring shape and went back out onto the indies he's been like in death matches and shit i was gonna say didn't he do like a death match where he got stabbed in the neck and almost actually died yes <laughs> yes yeah. he's fighting nick gage <laughs> so yeah i don't expect from deputy dewey <laughs> I, 
don't, I don't, I don't hate this performance. I definitely think like, again, you say like scary movie isn't too far off actual scream and deputy doofy and versus deputy Dewey is not right. It's, it's pretty close. It's, uh, I, I feel like a better actor in this role or better performer in this role could have elevated the rest of the movie. Cause there who were, do you, there who were do you nominate? I don't know. How about I, I don't know. Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> I think it would have to be someone considerably younger than that, as silly as Sir that Patrick Stewart. I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say no. John C. Riley. You do need someone kind of goofy and, and, you know, an underdog of sorts. Maybe, yeah. um, I don't know, I keep, keep kind of drifting back to Dawson's Creek. Okay. You, you going with James, James Vanderbeek in this role? Yeah, I mean, Vanderbeek. Dawson? Yeah. <laughs> Kid, I think it would work. Hey, hey, you know what? I, I love David Arquette in this role. I don't, I don't hate the idea of James Vanderbeek playing Dewey. Yeah. <laughs> you brought it up. Yeah. See. Um, but we get a little bit of a, you know, that again, some more of the the whodunit aspects of this, where they go to the police station. We get to see Deputy Dewey has a uh, a boob inspector hat at his at his desk uh, <laughs> at the police station. <laughs> um, taking his job and, seriously at all times. <laughs> um and they they bring in billy's dad because billy's been accused of being the killer and they're they're gonna hold him there um so sid goes to stay with tatum and and dewey because they're their brother and sister um dewey's the a a sheriff's deputy in his mid-20s who lives at home and uh is constantly being ridiculed rightly so by tatum i feel like this is a character (laughs) that you would want to root for and i think someone a little less goofy somebody with that dawson charm yeah uh, it might be a little. I think at this time, maybe maybe James Vanderbeek would have been a big for the. But I, again, I, I don't that, hate the idea. But and it wouldn't make sense because this would have happened before the creek. But then, as the you know this deputy, he could he could drop lines like, "Oh, we're really up the creek now." Like, <laughs> like fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little a little reference referential humor never hurt nobody. They they just look at him curiously and it's like a. You know, oh, you might not like it, but your kids are going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they go back to Tatum's house and, and Tatum's room. Um, I got to talk a little bit about Tatum's room. It's apparently A, where, the, where all the Dutch angles live, because everything in here is, is shot like like uh, like M- MTV in the early 90s. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and she's got her, uh, you know, I, I think it might not be her bedroom. She might be staying in her Aunt Patty and Selma's bedroom because she's got a picture of MacGyver. Um <laughs> This was back in the ever. 90s. MacGyver was big. 96. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this is actually after the the confrontation I was I was thinking of later. Uh, Gail Weathers has yes approached Sid again, and she's, Sid she's apparently the most competent investigative journalist, <laughs> um, tracking them down no matter where they try to go. Yeah, but we we get our um we get we get our a phone call to throw us off the off the scent here and. Uh, possibly rule out billy as the killer because billy's in jail and sid gets a, a threatening phone call okay Tatum's. let's yeah <laughs> i also wanted to say that it's kind of weird that she's got two like twin beds in her bedroom but you know whatever well that's because patty and selma both stay in there <laughs> yeah fair all right i forgot about the patty and selma but we have this phone call that happens and i mean we're, we're gonna talk about the whole movie so i don't think it's crazy to spoil you know we've already said the killers are Stu and uh billy um it's insinuated that he I guess maybe Stu could have done, but he kind of insinuates or the movie kind of insinuates that he called from jail yes. to throw her off the case. Yes. 
which seems bonkers because the police yeah. let him have an unsupervised phone call with a voice modulator. Right. <laughs> How bananas is that? Like, who are you going to call with your one phone call? Uh, my my tax guy. I need my voice <laughs> modulator. <laughs> and he's just sitting there like, you know, I'm coming to kill you. And the cops just like, you got 30 seconds. Finish it up. <laughs> just tapping on the glass, pointing his watch. <laughs> but I, I don't know. That that kind of seemed like one of those things where I don't I don't think that actually makes sense that he called, but he he doesn't have an excuse for it. And he gets he gets it pointed out later on in the movie, and as he's trying to explain it, he says like, "Oh, I called my dad, but the dad was already there." And right, like, yeah. So it, it's that's I don't think I think the more you look at the killer's plan in this and how they execute it, it just it fucking crumbles, man. It like it's it's a, a sandcastle. Like a, a couple of guys who idolize <laughs> horror movies, maybe not completely the brightest. <laughs> But then they also pull off a lot of stuff that like requires like a crazy amount of planning and coincidence. And then they also like, but then they kill people that like have nothing to do with what their plan is. <laughs> it's like, I, I was going to say that the, the first scene is an example of that, but you kind of find out later on that she there's was some personal connection. There, yes. Yeah. There's a connection there. Um, I'm not sure why they killed Tatum like at all. Tatum, I, I maybe get, cause I think Billy might've done it just to kind of like, because he thought that it, that there needed to be like another body, and he's just a sociopath and wanted to make Stu squirm or whatever. But, sure. But the like the principal that that's the one that I kind of go back to, and I'm just like, what? Well, yeah. Why? Why did he have to die? Why the fuck did he die? <laughs> um, he had but, to die because they leaned pretty heavily on the uh, the the path that he might be the killer. <laughs> so they just gotta, gotta take that away, kick the legs out from underneath, and go. Well, who's not him? Who is it then? I, I do love that we get a really brief uh, cameo here. Of, of the, they go back to school and there's the um, there's still reporters there. And one of the reporters is Linda Blair from The Exorcist asking Sydney how it feels to be almost brutally butchered. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to uh, talk about the, the Freddy Krueger cameo. Oh, that's Wes Craven. That was Wes Craven? Oh. Yeah, that's Wes Craven as Fred, as Fred the janitor. <laughs> the red green sweater. And I hat. do want to reiterate again. Like, I think, like, you know, we've talked in the past about, like, how – like shitty we were like as teens and kind of looking back at it as adults, I have to think we wouldn't be so shitty that like several people get killed. Somebody's being gaslit by the killer. Who's still at large that we wouldn't just stop at like the costume shop on the way to school and be like, Hey, I'm going to dress up like that serial killer. Hey, fuck that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's uh, uh, I don't know that that seems a very movie high school kid thing to do. Not a real life high school kid thing to do. Can you imagine? Can you imagine finding out your kid was like, you know, it was just a joke. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, because I know my kids. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. some, some just ephemeral er kid out there in the, in the aether. <laughs> sure. Maybe that's, that's something that someone could do. But yeah, like I said, this is very much a movie thing, not a real life thing. I, I, I would love to hope that this would not happen in real life because it's especially like the day after. That's just, yeah. I don't know. Based off this year, it probably happened the same day. (laughs) Uh, But I do love that we get the red, the red herring set up here with, uh, with, with uh, the old, old Fonzie himself with the, 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 the scissors that he's threatening these kids with scissors in his office. (laughs) (laughs) Then he should gut them and hang them from the flagpole. And like this, they're like 
oversized novelty. They look like he's the fucking like from Clock Tower. Like, right. <laughs> like, garden shears that he just keeps in the, the cup by his desk. Every time he waves them around at all, it's like shink, shink, shink. <laughs> yeah, this this scene right here is definitely them trying very hard to give you a, a another suspect. Especially because she gets attacked, gets attacked in the bathroom after she hears some some mean girls again just rail on what a what a dime bag whore her mom was. Um, <laughs> Seems like everybody knew this except for her. <laughs> <laughs> just again, I think there's a lot of good performances in this, but these these two girls that come out and just mean girl it up, her <laughs> they're they're something else. Um, well, this this attack is also one that's kind of like. Pretty iconic, yeah. It's only iconic, sure. It's kind of now ludicrous in the yes. in like real life. Like how how long was he standing in the bathroom with the costume on, just waiting on the waiting off chance her. that she came in? Does the school only have one bathroom? Does like <laughs> and it's not like he could have seen her come in, or she she wasn't <laughs> making a lot of noise. And if he watched her walk in, how did he get in there afterwards? <laughs> Again, this is kind of one of those one of those movies where I, I like this movie a lot, but I'm I'm not going to argue that this is like a holds up to multiple viewings yeah. and scrutiny type movie. This is a pop. This is a thing that happens just because they wanted it to happen. This doesn't make sense otherwise. But yeah, um, but she gets she gets attacked there. I guess there is a deleted scene where they they explain why that um that that attack is why that all the kids are sent home from school and school's canceled for the day. Like they, they do address that somewhat because in the movie as is, she just nearly gets murdered at school and it seems like nothing comes of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like she doesn't even talk to anybody about it. (laughs) (laughs) I I do love there's, it's a small scene that comes up here, but there's Gail is, is investigating. And when she meets Dewey for the first time, I do have to give a shout out for one of his lines where she makes a, a, they start flirting and like she says something about like oh I I pull very popular with the 18 to 24 demographic and she's he's like I'm 25 ma'am and then they flirt a little bit more and you know she's like oh you so you have watched my show before and he turns he's just like ma'am I was 24 for a whole year. <laughs> <laughs> this relationship is is weird because I know they kind of become a thing in later movies but I yeah. couldn't tell if it was like genuine or not because there's so much. Well, they got married she, after this. No, 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 no. I'm, <laughs> I'm not talking about like, I'm talking about strictly this movie. Yes. <laughs> their relationship on screen in this movie. It's, it's like, um, she seems very much like she's just kind of playing along to, to kind of milk the gullible yeah. guy for information. And I never really sensed that it was anything more genuine than that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think there is an element of that. I think just the way Dewey's written, it's, there's there's kind of that uncomfortableness where it's like even though he's 25, it sort of feels like someone taking advantage of a child. But yeah, <laughs> right. Um, I mean, clearly he's smitten, but I just I don't know. I I didn't buy it on her end, I guess. Um. One one last thing about Principal Him Himbry, I do have to bring up that again on the rewatch. I think I was because I was paying a lot closer attention to like background details and stuff. He has a fucking key to the city. Like what? <laughs> What is going on? He's a good principal. I don't know. <laughs> well, he gets killed. So he gets, he's, he, he, there's some scares and then he comes back in the office, closes the door and he gets, he gets, uh, slashimified. Um, the, the only thing that I think really stands out here for me is the, uh, I, I really do love the shot of, of seeing the killer and, and reflected in his eye. Yeah, that was neat. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty cool scene. Then, uh, 
we we start to see the the kids out and about getting ready to party and I think this this scene in particular uh, where they show a lot of the you know they kind of do the setup where they're gonna have a party since they don't have school anymore uh, yeah. they're gonna have the party at Stu's house and we have a lot of a lot of walking around the town and seeing empty streets and kind of preparing for the party and showing that businesses are shutting down it was around this time that I looked at the clock and said God damn this movie is fucking long it is it's like two hours long it's it's one of the longer ones we've done which it doesn't feel like that necessarily would be the case with this movie just based on what it is but yeah i really was not expecting the the runtime on this i think a lot of it is that they they it's it's a horror soap opera and they don't cut back on either one of those elements so no um i think they they cram it all in there um but one of the places they prepare is at the video store uh where, where randy's working um and you get some some more rundown of who like the possible killers could be and i want to give a shout out to one of the best uh extras performers of all time as randy the, starts getting the lady really in the like, background when he's screaming <laughs> i caught this too <laughs> when he's screaming about like what his motive would be and why like what he would do to like kill people and it just shows like this woman in the background looking at videos looking down looking up and just being like Ugh, and walking off in disgust <laughs> yeah she she did a lot with a little there yeah, and there's and there's there's some other like shout outs here too. There's a ton of like um especially once we get to Stu's house and they start talking about all the different horror movies, but uh they one of the people in the video store asks like, "Oh, uh what's that horror movie with ET's mom, that werewolf movie and it's The Howling?" But she was also in another Wes Craven movie, so it's like a little bit of a shout out there. Um yeah. yeah, they start talking about like Prom Night and um one thing I think is kind of interesting is that this is it's a slasher throwback, but it's it's not a throwback to like the later like Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Streets where it's like kind of a, you know, we talked about Ghostface being kind of bumbling and this being like a whodunit. It's the throwback to those weird, like early slasher, like whodunits. And they're kind of more like jallos. Like, yeah. so it, it's a little bit of a different set. I think, I think it works pretty well, but that, that, that extra I did have to call out. And uh... <laughs> I, I'll say again, that this is another scene that shows that uh, Jamie Kennedy's character basically, you know, he's, Still batting a thousand when it comes to predicting what's going oh, on yeah, in the movie. He, like, he accuses uh, Stu and Billy, like pretty much back and, to back. I think Stu and, in the first scene, Billy in the yeah, second. And even like hits upon pretty much exactly what the motive is and everything. It's it's kind of crazy. <laughs> I did like it's the It's not transition. crazy because someone wrote it, but. <laughs> yeah. It's what like in the, in the town, they have like everyone's boarding, like almost like damn near it's like a, a, a hurricane's coming through and they're like, you know. Flipping things to close, like everyone's leaving in groups. You know, the trucks are backing up and people are picking other people up, so no one's driving alone. And then, like, they cut to the video store and it's like happening. There's people everywhere. And it's like, man, this was oh, the most realistic thing in the movie. I have worked in movie stores. This is exactly <laughs> yeah. the time when people would come in. <laughs> yeah, just how many times when it was like, you know, a meteorologists say like level four blizzard alert like do not be out on the roads unless you have to it's like yeah we're staying open and we're slammed <laughs> we have, yeah we could have a police order to close at a certain time we have people walking up to the door afterwards pounding on it saying just let me in i just want i know what i want <laughs> and the other part of this is and I, I mentioned this prior to us uh recording so when um Nev Campbell and Rose McGowan are going through a, you know, what looks like a maybe a gas station convenience store type thing. And they're, you know, getting supplies for the upcoming party. Um, and they're kind of chatting, you know, talking about things. And the last part that you see as they kind of walk down the last aisle, they're on the side of the store 
as you see the reflection of the killer, which appears to be dead center of the store, <laughs> not hiding, standing fully upright, staring at them. And I'm just like, like, come on now. Like, for some reason, this was the one that, like, out of everything in this movie that stood out to me is like, I, I wanted the cashier. Like, I want to see, like, a director's cut where the cashier is just like, sir, no, sir. Trying to get his you, attention in vain. <laughs> I'm doing a thing. Like, Just give me a minute. <laughs> I don't think you're, you're being funny. I need you to get out of the store. You can't have the knife in here. I need you to get out. I'm going to call the police. Like, you know, this, it, it was just so outlandish that I, I, I actually kind of chuckled when they showed the, you know, it's supposed to be for suspense, but I found comedic yeah. value. In it. Yeah. There's, there's there are a, a couple scenes like that in this movie where you see the killer or something happens where it's just like, I mean, all right, it's <laughs> this is just to ratchet up tension. It does not make any actual sense. There's no way this could actually be happening. But you got to have something here just to make the audience go. <gasps> yeah, there's the I, I kind of mentioned this to you guys before, too. But it's, it's very much the the same thing that happens in like episodes of Scooby-Doo. And like, you know, every time in Scooby-Doo, the monster ends up being like a person in a disguise. But there's still some scene where like the mystery machine drives by and nobody's around. But then like the creeper comes out from behind a tree in the woods, like, Rrr! like who was who, who is that for? Like, who are you? <laughs> yeah, who is he playing to? Like, what? Are you just getting in character? You just need to like get your game face on. <laughs> like... Yeah. Uh, All right. Live. So... Ah, let me face. So so we are coming up on the, the the party, which is the kind of the finale here. And I there's probably some more stuff we, we can talk about. But I'm just looking at our record time and thinking, okay, oh, yeah, we, gotta, yeah, we get, it's a long we movie a little we, bit. So yeah, we got, we got the party, man. We got it. So uh, <laughs> we, we we have this party where they're all like watching horror movies. And there's a bunch of like background doofuses that we've never seen before that are at this party, too, in addition to our main characters. Yeah. Um, I love that they have like 80 movies there. <laughs> like how long is this goddamn party going to be? <laughs> it's not stopping until they have to go back to school. <laughs> and I also love that you could tell that, um, that Miramax made this because one of the prominently displayed movies is smoke, which is a Miramax movie with Harvey Keitel about like a, uh, an older guy that owns a cigar shop. Like how many high school kids in 1996 were like, Let's have a party and we'll put on smoke and everybody. <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, you say that, but that's exactly the kind of movie I could see Jamie Kennedy's character pick, picking out to bring to this party. <laughs> um, but uh, they start talking about like you know that some of the rules is where like Randy lays out like the things that you like can and can't do in a horror movie. That you, if you have sex, you're dead. If you do drugs, you're dead. And that you never say uh, I'll be this, right back. This is after his girlfriend dies, right? I thought it was oh it was, yeah you're right no I, I I'm sorry I got that mixed up Tatum dies first uh, yeah she she goes she goes to the she goes to get know, the, the beer the beer she gets the beer and she and gets then we get, yeah we get one of the most uh like screen grabbed moments in horror history of uh, of Rose McGowan entering the garage <laughs> yeah the the little tho display <laughs> the, um, this was very much uh, if you're a, a woman in a horror movies in the night or in I guess any movie back then. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why you're here, and it's not to wear a bra. <laughs> tighter sweater, colder room, tighter sweater, colder room. That's a mantra we can all live by. <laughs> but she goes to go get beer, and then the door closes behind her, and it's locked, and she can't get back. So she goes to, she gets a little, she gets the cat scare. She gets scared by a cat, then tries to 
go out the garage, the garage starts to close and the killer comes in rush. Um, so they have a, they have a scuffle and we get again, a, a very memorable death here. Um, but one that's completely implausible. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like if there's like titanium girders and a V eight engine powering that, uh, the, garage the door on this garage door must have been just insane. <laughs> This is back when they knew how to build them, boys. <laughs> I'd love to see, like, the flashback. And it's just, like, his dad, like, building the garage door. And, like, his wife just like, honey, do we, did you, did, I'm looking at this receipt. Did you spend $3,000 on a motor for our garage door? Oh, it's trust me, honey. Hemi. Trust me. <laughs> it's got a Hemi. <laughs> um, but she tries to crawl out the cat door. Um, I guess in real life, she actually, like, made it out quite easily. So they had to, like, staple her shirt to the the cat door to make it look yeah, like I don't, I don't think she would have had too much trouble getting out of there if she actually was trying to. That's a pretty large cat door. And she <laughs> but they, uh, yeah, I was going to say is like, as the cat door, as the garage door is going out with her in it and they like kind of show her like dangling there. I mean, I could have gotten through there and I'm about five times the size of Rose McGowan. So it's <laughs> no, I mean, never mind the fact like, there's no way that thing has enough power to even lift her. <laughs> the garage yeah. door would have said, like, it stops if you if it hits like a leaf that drifts in the way of it. <laughs> well, There's not just no way it's trying to lift a full grown woman off the ground. Not just lift her, but not stop when her head comes in contact with the roof and just smash her head. <laughs> yeah, it's this is ridiculous. This is a ridiculous death. And uh, I love it. It maybe just it. like this movie. I'm done. What? what? Huh? I'm done with the show completely. <laughs> I think this death, as goofy as it is, is, is fucking right. I, especially because in the context of Scream, so many of the deaths in the Scream movies are just stabbings. I, I, I do appreciate a little bit of a, a little bit of variety. The, the effort is appreciated. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I won't say that you know it doesn't get boring to see stab, 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 stab. So I do like that they're trying to branch out, but yeah, come on. So we, we did have a little bit of a reunion scene earlier with with Billy and Sid, where he was still kind of being like a little bit of a creep and trying to kind of push the, the whole sex thing. Yep. Um, then they, they reunite again. And this time it's, it's Sid saying, Hey, like maybe, uh, maybe we should stop talking about movies except for maybe pornos. <laughs> <laughs> maybe just a good old porn. Yeah. This is going on at the same time as the, uh, the horror movie rules talk is going on downstairs. Yeah. This is, this is where we get Randy's talk and we get all the rules and, yeah, there was a couple of rules at the beginning too. The first scene has the you know investigating a strange noise and mm-hmm. asking who's there. So there's 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 yeah. some of them. Um, I got I got the rules as as he listed them off. Here was no sex, yeah, no drinking, no drugs, yeah. and no I'll be right backs, which we get all oh, of <laughs> as he's saying the lines. So <laughs> <laughs> and again, this is this is me being a pedantic horror horror nerd, but one of the characters here says that the the blood in Halloween doesn't look real, and I'm like, there's no blood in Halloween, you chuckle fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Fit right in. <laughs> um, one of the unsung heroes, I think, in this movie too. They introduce a lot of characters because you have to have a lot of suspects, and you also have to have a lot of people to kill off. Is uh is Gail Weathers' cameraman Kenny, and we get a return of a fascination with cheese doodles. Not, not since Friday the 13th part four. <laughs> they, uh, they throw some serious shade at fat people in this movie. Oh yeah, they do. <laughs> so it, it made me cry a little bit. So. <laughs> I, I, I love to like, there's a, so they get a phone call and they find out that the principal has been killed when he's been like strung up on the, uh, the field goal, goal post at the school. Um, so again, because this town is populated exclusively by ghouls, like the entire, all the people at the party clear out 
to go, to go <laughs> we got to get there and see it before they tear him down. I think is a line that's said here. <laughs> Nobody sees Tatum on the way out. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, been gone for a while and only Sydney really cares. <laughs> and uh, she doesn't care as much about that as she does about that D. Yeah. <laughs> And I love this is like, this is not Randy's house. And he's just like, uh, hello? Uh, yes? And who's calling? Who's calling Stu's house to just be like, hey, the principal's dead? <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be fair, they'd all been drinking and doing drugs. The inhibitions uh, are gone. Uh, we we should mention, too, that uh, Gail Weathers has snuck into the, well, snuck into the party, has gone into the party with Dewey and planted a camera there, which leads to a scene which I thought was pretty cool where you get to yeah. watch. There's a really cool uh, setup in here. Yeah, we get to watch Jamie Kennedy's character commenting on what's going on in the movie as the same thing is happening to him in this movie. And then we get to see that again, one step further removed, as they watch the movie on a delay in the, the camera truck outside being broadcasted from the hidden camera inside the house, yeah, which I they, thought was, they, was they, really they, they slip the camera in, but they set up that it's on a 30-second delay. So you get to have a couple scares where people aren't where you think they are and have have yeah. moved on. So yeah, I thought that was really cool. that that is a pretty great iconic scene. You get you get some more Dutch angles in that scene as the camera just starts like falling over sideways. And you're like, have you been drinking, buddy? Like, <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> um, and and also he's yelling at Jamie Lee Curtis. So he's like, Jamie, what are you doing? Jamie, yeah. Jamie, look, look behind you. Look behind you as the guy is right behind him. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> this that that was very well uh, thought out and very well executed. Yeah. So we get we get some more some more kills that happen here. We get uh you know uh, as they're kind of fleeing and running around, uh, Dewey and and Gail kind of go off and then like investigate. They find like the red herring of the the dad. You get Billy back at at home. This is kind of when Sid has the realization that the the her call, his call from prison could have been the threatening right, call. Where, where he's still like you think he's off the hook, and then it cur- turns out that well maybe he's not as off the hook as you think he's. As you think he is. And then, but, uh, 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 surprise, uh, yeah. <laughs> Ghostface comes in, and Ghostface has now been named, because uh, Tatum calls him Mr. Ghostface. Yes. Um, and, and stabs Billy, and then starts a, starts a chase with, with, with Sid, chasing her through, like, uh, through the house, down the stairs, like, out to the, um, the news van, where she gets in, and that's where we kind of have our, our scene where they're watching. Right. On the monitor, and, and they see the, the delay, and when they, when they open the door because they realize that the killer has has heard a cry outside uh the killer's right there and and this is actually like i i think the gore kind of tones down after those first kills but this is a pretty good throat slash i think this is a yeah this is you see some cool. some meat as, as kenny gets uh gets his throat cut um and again we'll cool see later on with the the blood all over the windshield because they placed yeah. the body up on top gail's trying to drive away and uh and kenny's body's up there and it's stopping her from being able to like see and uh yeah just like a, a lot of I, I think this is all like pretty well orchestrated because as like as you can kind of hear we're kind of talking about like a lot of different things going on at the same time and i think Wes craven kind of keeps it all pretty tight and he keeps everything flowing mm-hmm. um, so as, as much as we dunk on some of the dumb stuff in this movie because there's dumb stuff in this movie i i think it's 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 put together really well i think it's it's the, the setups are all there. It's edited together really well. They yeah. get a little bit of a crutch here. And that crutch is a lot of the music here is there. They have Halloween playing in the background. So they get to steal the Halloween soundtrack. <laughs> and repurpose You're going to steal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but after like, you know, we, we, we get those, those kills, we get like some escapes and Sid is kind of back in the house again. And she has to choose both Randy and Stu come to the door. 
Um, and they're both saying that the other one's the killer and she doesn't believe either of them and, and locks them out. Yeah. <laughs> um, Billy, Billy stumbles from, from downstairs. And again, this is, um, there's two things here that I, I really want to know. Like, did Randy and Stu have some sort of like conversation outside? Like, where they both, after they both accuse themselves, like the other one of being the killer or <laughs> they just run from each other. Like what, what the hell happened out there? And, and second, like we find out that, that Billy wasn't really stabbed. It was a prop and he's just got corn syrup, but he still does a Pratt fall down the stairs. Like he's just, he's selling it. She's got to, she's got to believe it. So she'll hand over the gun. <laughs> that really I, reads to me. Like he just learned how to do a Pratt fall. <laughs> <laughs> we just covered this, this week in acting class. I'm going to use it, goddammit. I think it's also pretty... I can I can give it a little bit of a pass because it's a traumatic moment. But it's surprising to me that Sidney didn't notice that none of his clothes actually had any sort of holes or tears or cuts in them. <laughs> and that it very much looked like he just spilled Kool-Aid on himself. <laughs> I also love, too, that that plan like, re- relies entirely on like her being at the angle that she was at and not seeing that, like... They were just throwing corn syrup on each other. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, for as as well put together as this finale is, there's some stuff in it that's again, like uh, I think as a as, a, as as a movie, as a movie that that keeps you going and and it you don't think about these things like the first time. This is, this is these are second or third view. I will say I will say that some of this stuff is also because you've been conditioned by other slasher movies in the past we were talking about how the killer is kind of a a, a goofball um just kind of getting you know tripping over his own feet all the time but in most of these type of movies that's not the case you were saying you know most most of the time the killer is this unstoppable machine who's always exactly where he needs to be so they kind of use that too where he's kind of play both ways he's goofy in the up close parts but when they need that scare you know the fact that they've got two of them is a little bit of a, a check in their favor but they also do that thing where, you know, you look and he's there and then you turn away and look back and he's gone. Like, where could he possibly have gone? There's no way that could have happened. But, you yeah. know, you accept it because that's just how the genre works. And then we get, um, you know, he, he quotes Psycho. We all we all go a little mad sometimes. And um, I think this is at this point, uh, uh, Randy's come back inside and like, he shoots him. Right. This is the, the where, he, where Randy gets shot. And yes, this is where he, Rand, this is where Randy gets shot. Yes. Yeah. And then. We get a they they bring Sydney into the kitchen and they they kind of lay out all their their motives and their plan to her that they're that everybody's going to die here and they're going to be the two survivors who are who are wounded. Um, And there's a lot of there's a lot of affection between these boys in this scene. I think I think think these boys are fucking. But that's (laughs) that's That's, I mean, that's a read you could have, I suppose. (laughs) But um, this this is very, very much a a strong performance for Matthew Lillard here, too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I, I love that they they go into the motive and basically they go into Billy's motive where it's tied into Sydney's mom that um, one of the guys she was sleeping with was uh, his dad. And that's why, like, his parents got divorced. And right. Well, at first you do kind of just it does kind of just seem like it is the whole thing where you know she's not putting out and he's tired of it like it's kind of seems like yeah. maybe that's the motive but then you know they kind of they kind of talk about Stu's motive a little bit and how he was dating that that girl before she dumped him so that's kind of why that's why Drew Barrymore's character got killed at the beginning uh and then you know Billy takes it a step further and says oh but if you really want to talk about it we'll say you know this you know this is why my family got wrecked because your mom's a dirty yeah. filthy Ec- trash echo, bag echoes of- all the same stuff from the bathroom scene the yeah. 
Um, I do love, you know, again, we have our um, our meme moment of Leonardo DiCaprio with the beer and the cigarette pointing at the screen where they where they, they say scream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they say the thing. Um, and I think Matthew Lillard, like you were saying, like he's a lot of fun here because they like Billy goes into his plan and it doesn't really seem like Stu has he's just bored. <laughs> it's just yeah, he's, he's just I a mean, crazy bored kid. <laughs> as 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 like legitimately scary as kind of Billy's character is, yeah. Like Stu is just along for the ride. Like he just wants something to do, and that's like yeah. maybe scarier. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, and there's a uh, convinced to do this <laughs> you get a little bit of a clue um where when they're running through his house she uh sydney runs through his room to like get out because she escapes through the window and like falls down on the ground um in his room he's got like like doll parts hanging from his ceiling tied with string and like all this weird shit in there <laughs> I, I totally missed that but yeah okay <laughs> um but we we get like with this exposition and i think again this is one of those things where they have this brilliant like plan where they're wherever they need to be but then they're like okay well we need to be wounded so before we kill you we're gonna severely incapacitate ourselves <laughs> right this this is this. <laughs> why would you do that was this before or after they brought out her dad and said and kind of said that they were gonna pin everything on him yeah they think this is i think this is after that and they're kind of like i eyeing you know he's eyeing her and whatever trying to like you know frightened and gagged and bound um but then we get uh dewey coming back Dewey, Dewey, and Dewey and Gale make their return. We get like that. They they both get shot. <laughs> I thought Dewey Dewey got stabbed earlier. Oh yeah, Dewey. Gets, when he went Dewey to go investigate the house earlier. by himself, he gets stabbed and kind of taken out. And then Gale gets the Gale the, comes back. Yeah, Gale gets the the movie shot where she like doesn't get finished off because they realize that in in the fracas, uh, Sydney has has disappeared. He's taken she's taken the gun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I really like this scene where they're stabbing each other and he comes over to the table and is like, Oh, we got a problem, Billy. I feel a little woozy here. here. <laughs> I'm losing a lot of blood. <laughs> I'm dying. Again, just a, just a, a, a great joy watching this performance. Um, I, I know we're a little, a little out of order here, but I mean, whatever. We're, we're so close to the end. The yeah. part where he, he's talking to her on the phone after she has called back with the, the voice distortion to kind of pay them back a little bit. Yeah. And Matthew Lillard's character, Stu, is just like, you really call the police? My mom and dad are going to be so pissed. They're going to be so mad at me. He's like in tears. Um, so, so one of the things that does happen here is that we get the, the struggle where she's kind of turned the tables on them. And uh, and Billy goes to investigate the, the closet. She's got the ghost face mask on. And she charges out with an umbrella and she like stabs him kind of with the umbrella, like in the chest. Uh-huh. Uh, so I guess Skeet Ulrich had uh had real life open heart surgery and and she like hit the plate like the plate got displaced that was supposed to like protect where his surgery had been done so that is uh-huh. that is some real life agony in that scene as as he gets stabbed with that umbrella. Oh. <laughs> um, okay. Also the the phone hitting Matthew Willard's ha- head was not planned. So, <laughs> <laughs> threw a phone at me. <laughs> Um, so we get we get our, our killers get uh get dispatched with they get they get dealt with Stu gets into a struggle with Sid she goes into the room where they're they've all been watching movies she uh crashes the TV on on his head we get a we get a Jennifer from Nightmare on Elm Street three nice he gets, he gets welcome to prime time bitch <laughs> um and then we get the uh you know the the, the fake out death with 
with Billy. They, they play that angle where Randy has survived and Gail has also come back in. Gail's the one who kind of saves the day, even yeah. though she doesn't know how the, the gun works because the safety's on, but at least is able to set it up. So Sydney she can... figured it out after he, t- after Billy <laughs> told her that that's what the problem was. <laughs> I do love the, and str- the struggle that how Sydney gets out of it is she reaches a finger up into his bullet hole. Oh, and where she stabbed him with the umbrella. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, just pokes it in. Yeah, that's, that's pretty rough. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, 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 they subvert the expectations with our, our horror movies where it's like, oh, this is where he gets up for the final scare. And as he gets up, he's just immediately shot again. Um, yeah. So then we get a little, little zap at the end. And this, I, I don't know, the experience of watching this was so 90s for me. Like, I, I just... I was expecting like Will Smith to start rapping the story to me, like over <laughs> <laughs> the credits. Yeah, so that's a very '90s thing to to have happen. So yeah, we've uh, that that that's been a scream. Is there is there other stuff that you wanted to talk about? I mean, I, I don't think there's a lot of we talked about like kind of the meta nature and how it kind of spoke out on on what horror movies were, but I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think there's. I, I think that stuff's fun. Um, I think yeah. that that stuff works and it still works. Um. I don't think we need to go into a whole lot more. I think we did a pretty thorough job of covering it, uh, barring the little acceleration we put on there towards the end. <laughs> well, again, I think this the, the last part of this movie is it's well put together and well done, but it's it's one of those things where I almost don't want to look at it too closely because then it starts to like I, I start to see even more holes and see more things that kind of fall. Into. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but but speaking of the point of this show, this show is I'm I'm selling you on this stuff. So t- I take all that stuff back. It's a perfect movie. That's perfect. <laughs> let's, um, let's, that's, you want to go to the sales floor then? You want yeah, to talk about whether or not uh, this is a this is a win for me? Yeah, or a win for this, you. Yeah, this is. I mean, it's kind of a weird one because it's one you've seen before. But did this, sure. did this hold up? It's, I, I mean, I it's, think it's, it's been a long time. I think it's uh, you know, if it's been that long, you're basically a virgin again, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's what some people will tell you about actual virginity. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I think that this is going to be a win for you. I think that we'll mark this in the the, the sale column. Um, like I was saying, it's it's playing with the tropes is still a lot of fun. Um, I I know that a lot of that has been done since this, but you know, it's still you kind of got to recognize the, the the granddad, you know, the, the guy who started it all. Um, I think that, like I said, the tropes, as, as tropey as they are, I mean, cause they, they don't get that name for nothing. Yeah. It's it still is a lot of fun to watch that stuff be messed around with and so, kind of subvert your expectations at every turn. There, there were several times in this movie where, you know, there's just so much of them going on that it's just like you kind of just gotta shake your head and chuckle a little bit. Like, oh, yeah, you're just I, doing I think, all of them. Then <laughs> I think this movie is really good at kind of pushing you along and getting you to go go along for the ride. And I, I know you were kind of calling out. David Arquette's performance, but I think for the most part, like a lot of our leads are turn in really good performances here. I think Nev Campbell's great in these movies. I think no, and even and even David Arquette, I don't hate as much as a, as much as it is kind of you know easy to dunk on him. I, I think that that role <laughs> could have been more with someone more capable behind it. And that okay. I mean that is that does sound like I'm really putting him down, and I guess I am, but I I believe it. I think that that I think there was more there that could have been explored. If it wasn't just playing it strictly for the kind of the goofball laugh sort of stuff. Yeah. Maybe they um, don't care about that. Well, cool. I'm going to I'm going to give out a, a crispy here. And I think it's been a while. It's been long enough that I, I you know, we're running a little long, but I do want to kind of explain let's, a little let's bit. Hold what off this is. For just a second. And uh, oh, yeah, tag in Clint. Yeah. Yeah. Gla- gla- grab Clint and see uh, if he had any opinions about this movie. He's been kind of quiet does... the last thing, but we were kind of rushing. So. Yeah, as letting you guys do your thing. I'll be going with mine. So, if, like, 
having seen this movie before, unlike for the last one I did with you guys uh, from Beyond, it was like selling me a car that I'd already previously purchased. <laughs> but like, so I got it. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I bought this originally at one point. Um, I liked it then. <laughs> I liked it then, but now that I see there's a cassette player, roll up windows, um, you know, the, the fabric's a little aged. Um, but that being said, I still enjoyed the charm of it. Um, as you guys kind of very well articulated in the front, the first scene with Drew Barrymore will kind of always kind of go down for me as one of the best scenes of any type of horror movie. Very well done. Um, it does withstand the test of time for me, um, even if it has faded a little bit. Um, it sold me then, and I'm, I'm still sold, buying right now as well. So Yeah, to, to that point, I wanted to also kind of point out that we have said, you know, several times that this is a very 90s movie, very 90s movie. Um, and that's true. But I will say that it is not it was not as dated as I thought it was going back to it. Like, okay. Outside of like the, the stuff with the teenage, you know, you had the background music and all that stuff, which was very much like any movie from that time period would have had yeah. that th- those things in it. The actual movie, what's going on in it holds up very well i think it, it does not seem like none of that stuff took me out of it like the like say ginger snaps did okay no that's 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 fair enough that's uh, I, I mean i think there's definitely some there's a little bit of overlap and that that actually might be a good reference point where i i i think there are things especially like the i, I called out the dutch angles a couple times that that felt very of the time for me but um sure. but i think it's it's still like it's a it's a tightly for a two-hour movie it feels like it zips by um it's you know it's pretty tightly paced and as as much as it kind of falls apart under under close scrutiny i think it's just it's a good time yeah i think uh, think the biggest the biggest thing that kind of undoes it is the cell phone stuff like for how ubiquitous they are today (laughs) it it does kind of paint as you look back as that being like a real a real clinching point for the plot here yeah um so yeah i I was starting to get into with 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 the crispiest i do just want to take a moment and just explain the nature of the the award again it's kind of to the most the most acting the most extra performance in a a film named after crispin glover's performance in in friday 13 part four which was was, probably the most (laughs) yes yeah that that is that is that is the standard by which all others are measured um and i think i think here there's a lot of performances i like but i think the crispy performance has to be met i'm 100 percent in agreement yeah i think this was just uh uh, he was like an unknown at the time when he made this he kind of he went with his girl his girlfriend went to audition and he just kind of like got pulled aside because they liked his look and i think he he knocks it out of the park here i think he's just so he's so over the top and he matches the tone of this movie so well and he i think he sells the energy it's just right it's fun. It's it's and and like we pointed out several times throughout, there are a lot of choices that he makes in the scenes that he's in yeah. that just kind of elevate. And I think I think his performance is even a big part of like a I kind of mentioned the the gore earlier and how like it was kind of unusual they got away with that. Part of how they got away with it is that they were able to sell it to the MPAA as a comedy instead of a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think I think his performance is probably a, at least a good 60, 70 percent of that 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 yeah, sell. I and he does a great job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's um, let's talk a little bit about what we're going to do next time. Okay. Um, going back to this whole thing where I get to not know what's coming. Someone else gets to decide my fate for me. <laughs> so this time I, I kind of simplified the categories again uh, this time, but I, I did introduce an extra one. So we got five categories this time. So, Clint, are you ready to play the game? Tag me in. 
Okay. So the the like I said, this one's gonna be real simple. This is all all the categories is horror movie stuff that we've like lightly touched on, but we haven't really done a movie just about it. So for example, our first category is just gonna be um, vampires. Um, so we did Black Sunday, which is kind of a vampire movie, but not really. Um, we would do two vampire movies. Um, so that's if that's if that's what you want to do, then that's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna add a caveat that in these categories. We do have a Nick Cage movie, and we do have the movie that I've been threatening Jed with. So even though we don't have those returning categories, the, the movies are, are lurking in here. Um, our second category, zombies. We, we did one cut of the dead, but we haven't really done a zombie movie. Yeah, I mean, that that does have zombies in it, but not traditionally a zombie movie. Yeah. Suspiria also has a zombie in it, but it's it's not really a zombie movie. Sure, sure. Um, next up, we've got a revenge movie. Um, so we, we've done, like, Candyman. But we haven't really done like a movie that's just kind of centered on the revenge. Um, that, that would be that would be a category number three. Okay. Uh, number four, and again, this is one that one cut of the dead touched on. Um, found footage. We haven't done a found footage movie. So um, yeah. Um, and then one that uh, Midsummer and I think maybe maybe Black Sunday touched on too. But religious ones. We've got five categories for you to pick from. We've got vampires, zombies. Revenge movies, found footage movies, and religious work. What are you What are you setting up for me and Jed to talk? You know, I I, I have a real inclination to go towards the um, found footage. Okay. But 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 you can't tempt me two times in a row with Nick Cage and not have me choose Nick Cage. Okay. Where do you think Nick Cage lives? Uh, that's a that's a <laughs> too too big of an answer that we have time for this podcast. This is how the game is played, my friend. Yes. Which got like, categories? Which category think, has which the of, daily double? Which of these categories is the most like a a pyramid filled with dinosaurs? That's because that you know that's where Nick Cage lives. So. I think I think I know, but <laughs> I've been wrong before. Okay. What do we What do we got? I'm gonna go with uh, the the vampires. Vampires. Okay. Um, so we got our, our our first one up is neither the one I threatened Jed with nor a Nick Cage movie. I won't speak to the second one yet. Um, but we've got a movie from uh, Scandinavia called Let the Right One In. I have heard of this one. Yes. Yeah. I've actually seen that. One. Ooh. Ooh. Maybe you can uh, give give Jed some some forewarning or uh, if, if you if you enjoyed it and encourage him to. To, to seek it out and tell them the things you want. So, it's um, been since I've seen it, but I did think I personally enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. Cool. So that is currently available, I think, both on Hulu and Tubi. So that is what we're going to be for, for next time. Are you ready to do some, some business and wrap all this stuff up? Yeah, let's get to the business zone. Okay. So uh, we, you can reach out to us at uh, Scream Selling on Twitter, probably the best way to get a hold of us. We've got the Facebook group. We've got Selling the Scream at Gmail. Um, if you liked what you have heard, if you liked any of our episodes, if they've made your commute a little easier, uh, please head over to iTunes and, uh, rate and review us. Um, normally this is where I would say, like, if I, uh, if there's a bad review, I would, I would give you the updated iOS terms and tell you what you're supposed to do with a bad review. I made a joke. I'm not super proud of on our last episode. I kind of, I kind of punched down a little bit and and made a joke about the homeless. So if you want to write a bad review about that. Um, they did say that the that actually that under the new system though that five stars is a bad review. So uh, say terrible things about me. Just say, you want to do five stars, like awful five stars. He yeah, probably should have made that. Joke. They're employing offset day rules. <laughs> um, but that's that's all I got. So yeah, I don't think I have anything else. Let's just uh, 
Say thank uh, you to our guests for popping I in. I want to do that. Yeah, I want to thank uh, Clint. Thank you so much. That was uh, it's been a, a treat. Yeah, thank you so much for having me again. I, this was a good one to come back on. Um, I think a little fun fact from the last one is I'm pretty sure I had food poisoning for uh, from Beyond. Uh, so I feel much better for this one. So uh, thanks for having me on. Watch and, uh, when your stomach is doing flip flops. Yeah, yeah. In the future, make sure that you're watching the movies I'm recommending and not eating them, so that you won't get food poisoning from Beyond in the in the future. Right. That, yeah, that's good to know. That's great advice. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, thank you so much. It's, we would love to have you back again. You probably will. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that's it for me. So I will say bye. Bye-bye. Oh, thank you.